0: Hello and welcome to the Game Dev London podcast, a community of amazing people who love talking about and sharing their love of the details behind making games, whether or not they're actually based in London. I'm your host, uh, Oscar Clark, he, him, pronouns, and I am on a quest to understand everything you want to know about game dev, but never dared to ask. And today I am delighted to be joined by Michael from Rising Games. Michael, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do.
1: Well, thank you so much for me uh, for letting me be here. Um, so I, um, as Oscar just pointed out, my name is Michael, and I'm the head of Rising Games UK, uh, based at Cambridge Regional College. And I've been involved in games design I think just short of 10 years. Coming up to about 10 years now, um, it's it's been quite a journey, shall we say, <laughs> to kind of see it from from the other side of the fence.
0: So as someone who grew up in that region, uh, I, w- I grew up in a, a lovely place called March. It's a small town. And the only good thing about a small town is you hate it and you know you have to leave. <laughs> but I do have very fond memories of Cambridge in particular and Peterborough, as I must say. Um, so uh, which which part of uh, where is that? Where is the college based?
1: The uh, like so college know. is based at Trugget now, It's just North Cambridge, I think, gotcha. in, within King's Hedges. Well, I'm 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 from Ely at the moment, so You're I'm from Ely. Just, I'm ah, from away from you, yeah, yeah. Um, so
0: um, yes, very fond members of Ely. I've actually got a lot of friends who still live in Ely and um, Little Port. Anyway, enough nostalgia yeah. <laughs> over my childhood. In fact, I had a uh, uh, this weekend. I was uh, last weekend, sorry. I was um, in Norwich. Um, for the um Nordev conference and lots of amazing game dev developers there, and I walked past a uh cafe uh where my um eighth birthday party at least I think it was my eighth birthday party was in. That's still there, it's still there even after pandemic. Anyway, um, yes, we do ramble it. I do tend to ramble a bit on these things. We <laughs> are here for purpose, however, we're going to bring us back. So, talking talk about youth, talking about um, you know, exploration of why we, how we got interesting games, um. talk about that because we're talking about education we're talking about games education and you've got a particular interest in that obviously um so when i was the age i was having my eighth birthday party in in norwich uh, or or when i was living in march game development as a career was Mm -hmm. not a thing i say that yeah apparently the year i left uh i think it was the year i left Central Soccer decided to set up in March. Um, and uh, John Hare, who's now a friend of mine, um, told me this. And I was like, how? What were you doing in that town? Because it was horrible. Anyway, um, the point being, though, is we're in a different world than back in my gray um youth, um, where actually there is a recognition of games as a career. There is a recognition of games as a discipline. What does that look like right now? You know, What, what does games as a
1: discipline look like? It's it is a crazy, but I, I, in my opinion, I'd say quite a magical world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think certainly of the, uh, the, the the age group that I'm at uh, and that I teach. It's it, it's that void, shall we say, there's like that we fill the gap between from when they finish school at 16 to the point that they're looking at for university. So um, we we've had so many so many young people. Uh, come through our doors who have said I've I've always wanted to know more about video games and it's almost, we try and teach the course of mis like motor vehicle, like if you're going to go to motor vehicle, you want to know how a car works, you're going to look under the bonnet uh, and, and tinker with it and understand it more, games development is just the same, you're, you're lifting the curtain away and being able to understand what really goes on with inside of that um, so it is a really wonderful place, I think certainly in the last few years i've seen such a uh, an amazing community of people come through to get it it's everyone's got the interest everyone's got such a passion and everyone's all on the same page mm. and it's lovely and everyone's got the same interest and you start to see this community building up everybody loves money. isn't that the key here is like um i mean i think that the skill sets
0: of a yeah. game so if we're talking about developer we're talking about coding if we're talking about artists it's art. you know there's the digital uh, art techniques, there's 3D art, there's environment art there's all sorts of things to talk about with art. If you're doing design, that's a slightly different thing. but generally a lot of the skill sets that you're asking people to learn about are transferable skills but what you're focusing their attention on is something they're genuinely passionate about. you know yeah. is, is that a fair summary?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think we, we we're, oh, coincidentally, we're at the po- process of interviewing for the next next round of students. And when we sit there and we talk to the students, there's a lot of them that have, have come from, I don't know, like media studies or computer science mm-hmm. at school. So they've already started to gain those skills. So whether they yeah. work within, like if they go to IT at this level or if they come to us, as you just said, we've got those transferable skills and a lot of people have studied art for example, at GCSE, they've started to come up with a portfolio, maybe even some game game ideas, sorry, Uh, and then they come to us and we can start to to form those ideas, but also work upon those skills, new and old. I think something that's really, really lovely as well is, as I said before, the, the passion of those ideas that people are bringing in at such a young age, they're like, they're wanting to explore, they almost want to run before they want to walk. Yes. If that makes sense, they're so uh, they're so excited I think that there is a possibility compared to maybe 10, 15 years ago where there wasn't really much of games design um, programs out there that things are becoming so accessible and anyone become a games designer now online. Uh, and through tutorials, and obviously, Game Dev London. No, that's yeah. my job. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm joking, obviously. Um, but actually, I mean, I think, that, so that, I mean, let's talk about design. For I mean, I think there's other things we can talk about in education. I, I'm just, because I'm obviously, oh, yeah. for those who know, I'm obsessed with game design. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, it's, it's been a more tricky area. I think when you're talking about a coding program, um obviously you've got to decide are you talking about are you talking about scripting are you talking about c plus plus are you talking about whatever else it might be so i think the, the choice of an engine typically mm. has been the most common thing i see and I've, I've done lectures at um you know obviously universities and also sixth form colleges even a an academy school once upon a time uh, up in liverpool uh was which had a focus on games. amazingly up in the Baltic Volta- yeah, yeah, area amazing um, bunch of people in fact, probably the most difficult questions about game design i've ever had i've been mean, come came from that sort of 15 to 17 year old um group of kids who were just amazing um yeah i was they, they asked me about wii u that was the era i did this in i was not i was not very complimentary and uh i got the best response ever <laughs> anyway enough said enough said. i'm old i do these things anyway but the point i'm trying to get to is that I can concretely define what a game programming course would need to cover, depending on the depth of coding skill set I expected from the cohort. You know, from the, the prelim- yeah, yeah. yeah. I could probably work out the kind of syllabus I'd expect to see for people doing art in games. I yeah. you know there's a bunch of things I can kind of understand how I would pursue that. that. Whether it's pixel art, whether it's concept art, whether it's, you know, environment, character, you name know it. There's, there's lots of, you know, like, like, these are pretty straightforward things yeah. to yeah. define. Not that I can do any of them, but I, you <laughs> can define them. When you come to game design, I find that you sometimes get problems where you've got um, the person who's doing the course, maybe come from a lot more old school, historical engagement game, and they might be looking at level design. Nothing wrong with level design but yeah. it can often leak into art rather than being about the design or the psychology of the play behavior it I, I often find that the monetization which is such a critical part of games today is completely ignored and i don't i don't expect you to be let's train people how to t- explore, yeah. <laughs> not talking about that but do you see what I mean? the idea of like thinking about, actually, if I'm going to be designing a game, one thing I think should be on the agenda is why I'm making that game. And if you're ignoring the fact that you've got to be able to make it commercial, yeah. are you really making a design course? Anyway, so I'm laying out my cards on the table. I want to hear what you think a design course should be. But I'm hopefully highlighting these are things that I think we don't always cover properly across the board not, I'm yeah. not at any level i'm not talking necessarily it, it's sometimes that you need it's even like post education we don't really yeah, care. Right. anyway yeah. enough about me talking yeah. you tell me <laughs> what do you think that, oh, how, you, my about. You,
1: you've hit the nail on the head pretty really. it's, it's sometimes it's, it's understanding why you're doing something. It's all very way well you're going to do something you need to have the justification behind it and i'll totally agree with you on that one i think for me for, for the amount of years that i've been. I've been involved in games dev now i think one of the most important things is obviously you're gonna have the program you have your your, your research etc and your design but it, it really needs to be hands on i think when we're interviewing students we get a lot of people who ask are there any exams on this course and we go, of course not well, h- how do you how do you exam a game like if, if you are gonna yeah exactly exactly if I'm you gonna have,
0: come up with one yeah
1: Actually, <laughs> you
0: joke uh, one of the things that we did uh, for a for a corporate client was to design a a learning game. Okay, it's basically okay. an exam, but it's not. But it yeah. is. So we've actually made gamified an exam like that.
1: Anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm distracted. No, no, no I'm, that's I'm interesting. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think it some courses. I'm, I'm gonna be really careful what I'm gonna say now, um, but with some <laughs> courses, it's. I see that they teach students the um, you know the principles of games design. Okay, we're going to learn through the basics of programming. We're going to go through the art et cetera. We're going to do character design, a little bit of animation. Start bringing it all together for a game project. Yep. Cool. You've hit a deadline. Game built or a little vertical slice built. Done. Right. Let's move to the next project. And I think what is sometimes missing is that that production side, that that publishing bit. Nice. And I think what we need is to start showing young people what comes next. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna reveal the curtain, like pull the curtain away on games aside, if you're not you're not gonna do it all the way, you want to do it the whole thing. Yeah. So oh, it's, you
0: don't want to overwhelm people. I mean, I don't want to. Yeah. I'm not. I'm genuinely not saying you should tie them to a
1: spreadsheet and
0: force them to work out oh, games. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it is important that it's that young people are, are given a bit of it, even if they don't necessarily they want to do it, but. Been able to give an insight as to the steps that come after that. Um, yeah. On the course at the moment, I've, I've delivered a few workshops where um, I've said to my students like, "We've we've been building an Xbox game at the moment. It was it was nominated for a BAFTA last year um, by our students. Oh, it was an unbelievable achievement. They yeah. didn't win it; they fell short of the final, unfortunately. But to be able to say, and the, the youngest person on that team was sixteen, by the way, to wow. be nominated for a BAFTA. I mean, wow. that is mind blowing." But that game at the moment, we're trying to build to Xbox. And it's, it's not just a case that they built it, boom, done, right, let's go to the next year, carry on. We, I've sat with them and I've gone, right, okay, we need to go through these specifications. We need to get testing. We need to get building. We need to go through the whole thing. And they've learned that process now. And it can be the case that I can go, right, here's the computer. Here's the console. Off you go and it's almost like letting the reins off a little bit and letting them see that other magical bit but able to say you've hit that publish button and your game is now global and it's and it's personally magical. it's a beautiful thing to feel yeah. yeah and i think sometimes curriculums are just missing that little the little nugget
0: actually i think that you've nailed it there it's like as much as i bleat on about what things we should teach people about design actually when you help show people that last 20%, that last 10%, even, yes, which is not the game making, it's the getting through the obviously with Xbox, it's the T- TRCs or TCRs. I always forget which way around it is things TRCs. Uh, it all basically means checklist, technical requirements checklist, somewhere on the right. Um, PlayStation calls it one thing, Xbox calls it another, same principle. Yeah. Um, but getting through that, getting it through QA, getting it up- uploaded, actually just knowing how to upload it and make yeah. sure it, it can be promoted on a store page. Those little
1: things make a massive difference. They you really, so really much. do. So, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping the person is going to listen to this. The one I'm, I'm thinking of. So, he, he was my mentor. He was my tutor as well. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been working for him for years. He's, he's currently working at Unity. Um, but anyway, I remember as a student, I came into college one day and I said, "Um, I've got, a, I've built a video game. I've, I've built a mobile game. I want to release it." And he said, "Yeah, absolutely." And we, we worked together for a few months. Uh, We got it sorted and it was published probably early 2014. And it was a real magical thing to sit there with him at at his laptop and go, there you go. Your game within a couple of hours later was available on all mobile devices. And he he shook my hand and he went, congratulations. And it is that moment where I thought, this is really flipping cool. And it was so, so special. And I, I actually built another game. And i came back to him a couple of months later and i said i want to go again and it's having that 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 feeling of knowing that this is possible and it's just as you said that 10 20 percent sometimes students yeah. don't see that's the bit that really pushes them to go the extra mile to know this the reason i think
0: it's so important is because when you get the application rejected yeah with almost no information yeah. And suddenly you've got to step back and look at all of the details and try and work out, piece together like a detective. Mm -hmm. What was it with this? Was it some SDK that was not updated properly? Was it that you didn't tick the right box? And some of those boxes you've got to tick in some of the app stores, you think means something else?
1: Yeah. I think a big big part of games dev is the problem solving no person has ever come through certainly through our doors and has like built a game from start to finish with no issues whatsoever and we, we actually say we actually say to our students we like it when you make mistakes and they all go what we like yeah we want you to make mistakes because not only do you have more to talk about but it's it's a learning curve and it's one of the best things that can happen to you. Like I've had games denied from the app store a couple of times, partly my mistake. I've made really small errors, but I've gone, right, okay. I now I a couple know of times to do you're that. not trying hard enough. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's those mistakes. And I've then taken those mistakes as a student and I've gone, right, I'm gonna then teach my students that in the future so they yeah. know not to do that again. And it's it's all that feeding through, and it's so, so important for them to have that experience.
0: I mean, it's also the scary thing because you often get these advisories. I think it's particularly I noticed it on Google. Um, you get these advisories and they, the way they're worded sound horrific. Oh my God, I'm going to get into so much trouble. It's like oh, you no, that
1: to understand it, don't you? Yeah. It's, it's crazy.
0: Yeah. But I think, I think that's really the kind of very really key there. It's like this idea that it's that last stage it's the dealing with the horror, the fear the the, the, the unknown when you get these yeah, these points yeah. of information which you, you've never seen before can be terrifying but then if you' have seen them before you look at it and go oh, well that's fine yeah. no wo yeah. and that emotional roller coaster ride of, of getting past the barriers. Um, and it, and it is interesting particularly when you start thinking about well now the next thing we've got to do is we've got to make sure we've got data. Now we've got to think about how we're going to get revenue. Now we've got to think about how we're going to market the game because just getting it onto the store doesn't necessarily, in fact, guarantee you won't get any users.
1: Yeah. Not the tens of thousands that you would need to make money, that is. Yeah. You see, that's the thing. A lot of people who come onto the course, they, we, we give them the option if they want to publish games or not. And yeah. it's, it's purely there. If they want it, you go for it obviously it's going to make you more desirable in the future when you go to uh, university and employment etc but even if your game has five or uh, 10 downloads and half of them are your family and a few of them are your mates it doesn't matter it really does to say that you have got something out there is 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 massive and it's such a huge achievement and it comes back to what does success look like which is kind of where I was
0: talking you know one of my questions about whether these things are covered it's okay to make a portfolio piece Absolutely. it's okay to make a hobby it, i don't i have no problem if you just want to make a game if success for you is that somebody else plays it and they enjoy it and they get an email saying they enjoyed it i'm delighted that's a perfect success if that's what you set out to do yeah and i think how we pre- how we prepare people to understand so where i'm coming from is you're on this course and you, what are you expecting to be able to do as a result? Because I'm thinking about you're preparing people who may, some of whom, not all, but some of them are going to want to have a career in games. Yeah. How do you make sure that the information you're sharing, the active practice that you're asking them to do, because I think that getting the game live is an exam between yeah. you and me. Yeah. <laughs> um it's probably worse than most of them but I don't, I, don't, I don't know if say are out loud um sorry if you listening to this don't let me put you off it's actually fine but we have these moments when we're doing putting games live where you suddenly discover these scary things and you, and it turns out it wasn't scary at all it's just yeah absolutely anyway the point being is these people may want to make their own indie game they may want to work for a game studio let's say they want to go work for a games team how do you make sure that they've got the best chance of success when they take that job? Or is that not what you're trying to do? And I, I, I don't I think yeah. it's a problem. If that's not. I just want to understand what are you trying to do? And is part of that preparing them for their job?
1: Um, it, it is helping to prepare them for a job. I think it's, it's a few different factors that are, are incredibly important, certainly as an education perspective. Um, from... From my experience of obviously being in that, in that seat and being in that classroom, I think it's experience. Uh, and when I say experience, I mean being able to understand game engines and being able to build upon a portfolio that can then be presented to professionals. It's, it's being able to have had a chance of being part of an expo where you've got a booth or you've got a stall and you can start sharing your work and promoting yourself outside of, um, outside the classroom. Uh, we've had a couple of times this year. Actually, um, we've had a couple of my previous students who have done the full journey, and they yeah. they've studied it with us. They've gone to uh, gone to university. They're now working at one of the companies just within Cambridge, and then they've then come back in to then mentor the students in the seats they once sat in, and it's completing that that kind of like that circle that journey really, where they're then given them. But like our current students, that feedback to say, right, OK, it's really important that you have a look at this and that, that you consider this. And they're getting that direct communication from the industry so they know what it is for yeah. them to prepare themselves. Um, we do give our students the chance to um, branch off into their specialisms because it's all very well saying, right, you're going to come to the second year, but you're going to do everything again. But you might get the end of the first year and go, I actually prefer one subject more than another. And I want to start to hone in on my specialist skills. So we branch everyone up to like design, which is audio level design, concept yeah. art, etc. And the other one is more uh, tech-based where those want to look into like console uh, development um, yeah. and exporting port in the games and just programming and working with the games engine in general. Um, within that, you're, kind of, you're building portfolios and websites and putting LinkedIn pages out there and Instagram and Twitter. And it's, it's important that even if you decide you want to go indie or have a gap year, or if you want to go into the industry or university, et cetera, it's important that you are um, how you show yourself online. Cause it, we've, we've got to admit games is a really competitive industry yeah. and it's grown exponentially in the last 20 years. Yeah. And it, it's absolutely crazy. So it's very, very important that the skills that the students are showing are being exhibited in the correct ways. And they're getting that constant feedback coming through and saying, OK, this is the right way to do it because you're learning from the best. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think that the biggest part of his experience and to say that you've been able to do something, I think, really makes you stand out more than others.
0: No, I, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, I think one of the things that's really interesting from my point of view is you, the thing you mentioned earlier, which is it's OK to fail. Yeah, um, it's something it, I you. I often talk about, which is the I'm a big believer in what MythBusters say that failure is always an option, yeah. and uh, yeah. the only difference between uh, screwing around and science is writing things down, and um, that's I suppose the point about failure. It's like failure lets me see what happened, and as long as you are made, kept keeping track of what you did right and wrong, yeah, then we can improve, and, and I think that's really critical. So I'm, I'm again. I'm just going to step back a little bit from that because I'm thinking about this. You, know, I think, getting the familiarity which you've described, yeah, for the tools and the and the techniques, uh, whether it's the art side or whether it's the you know, coding stuff. But actually, I mean, I think there's ha- what room is there in those kind of courses? Again, this is my bias coming out yeah. for looking at game mechanics, as in, you know, do you get people to you know, spend time analysing the functional flow of a game? Are you looking at the user journey? Are you looking at, you know, uh, UX, so user experience? Are you looking at first-time user experience? Um, is that too much detail for a course at the level you
1: do, or are you hinting at some of that stuff early on? It would it, it vary. I think we we definitely get students we, – we have this every year – where parents say – my little jimmy is playing Fortnite for six hours on end. Apparently he's doing it for homework. And more often than not we say, no 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 we, we, we ask some students to maybe analyze a game, go home, maybe yeah. play one level of something and we give them specific criteria for them to uh for them to consider whether it's like user experience, maybe functionality, yeah. mechanics, etc. Um so we we do like to let students have the option of things they'd like to explore within and obviously those that we do say we do think it is important for you to consider this if you yeah. want to go further with that by all means and then it might be that that suddenly becomes its own pathway for our students i think going back to the failure thing actually i had a i had a student it was probably just after christmas bless him he came to me at the end of my lesson and he went michael i've, I've built a game and I thought, this sounds very familiar, because I, I, it, this is me what is it's 10 years oh, ago. Oh, I can to see this back. Well, it's, like, oh, it's like looking at myself. And, and, he, and he turned to me and he said, I've, I've built a game. And I went, oh, I'd love to hear more about it. And he said, basically, I've taken Snake, and what I've got is I move my finger, and then it, you grab the food. And I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Why don't you put it on mobile? And he went, well, I have. And he suddenly <laughs> pulled out his phone and he's there. And what's happening is as he's dragging his finger along, and when he grabs the food, there's a bit of haptic feedback. It's like, oh, this is brilliant, this is fantastic. Right. And I said, I would love, obviously, with your with your permission, I think we should have a go at publishing this. Yeah. So we, we worked together, uh at, at Bill and obviously publishing this until one day he turned to me and he said, Do you know what I don't fancy releasing this? I don't, I don't feel like there's I don't feel ready to show this if that's alright I'd, I'd like to maybe release another game and I went do you know what that's absolutely fine although it's not necessarily a failure in this but it's it's okay to say no yeah in some cases it was like that's absolutely fine and he's ended up making another fantastic game for PC and I'm like this would be brilliant to work on on, yeah. on a console but it's it's okay that there's no there's no pressure on you to say that you have to do X Y and Z that there's but this and it,
0: but that doesn't sound like a failure to me that just change sounds like a change of
1: priorities yeah absolutely and i and i think do you know i'm going to get very woke with you now actually because and and i i had to reassure a lot of parents no worries, this is
0: the, the right, right channel it's okay we oh, we, <laughs> we we believe in actually supporting people because that's a good thing not we don't, we don't yes. i'm not a big fan of the word woke because it's basically an excuse to <laughs> for being, for being rubbish sorry yeah.
1: yeah no no i get you but do you know what is there is so much pressure on young people at the moment to have their entire career mapped out from 18 to retirement yes. and i mean yeah. you've crazy yeah and again i'm, I'm gonna say it, but life is too short you want to enjoy it as much as you can so i'll tell you what if you want to go and build a game you want to go and put it on mobile you want to go put it on xbox you don't want to share it you want to keep it to yourself and you use that as an art form for your expression do you know what you go ahead and do that look okay? nothing wrong with that absolutely and i think anyway, why is that woke that's not woke that is... you know I mean? that's... okay let me just... cheesy. <laughs> cheesy oh i'll accept cheesy, cheesy. you know, cheesy know what i mean too. like it, it, it's it's important that people should it's be, be a a able to big especially... for that yeah, like it, it should be It's important for people to be able to enjoy what they do and for them to not meet a criteria that's being set for them.
0: We have a snag, I think, in games in particular, because if you were saying, if you had that same conversation in art and somebody had created a piece of work and they didn't want to exhibit it, you would go, that's not an issue. That's fine. No one even raised it as a question. But because we're so focused on commerciality, and, and I'm a professional game maker, I am supposed to help people make games commercially. Yeah. So I will talk about the commercial side all of the time. That doesn't stop me being an obsessive game fan. Absolutely. You know, I can be that at the same time. And I can enjoy the fact that there's a kid out there who's experimented, done something joyful, decided to keep it to themselves.
1: Yeah. And I think games are an art form and, and it's 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 a way of people being able to express how they yeah. feel. So yeah, I, I do feel that sometimes out there, there, there is a lot of like, there's an agenda that if you want to be the best, you need to do X, Y, Z. And it's, it should be, we allow these people to be able to grow and explore their skill set. Again, I'm sounding very cheesy here. A big dollop of it. Um, You're allowed it's, to be a bit cheesy. Oh, good. <laughs> but it is important for people, for, for young people to be able to decide what path they want to be. And if they want to have a go at everything, if they want to go indie, let them let them chase it. It's it's so important that they express themselves through that. And if that's how they do it, then we should we should be there to support that.
0: We should absolutely be there to support because I, I again I, I think actually you say games are art form, and I'm going to be a, a bit silly about. It. I think it's more important than that. And no, no, okay, don't yeah. don't, don't oh, bite me, yeah. me. What I mean by that is we're a, we're not just an art form. We are an art form, but we're an art form where you do. Yes, that is the only art form arguably oh yeah you could there's some exceptions oh, yeah loads of exceptions i'm sure and i'm just i'm just coming to the chase because i, th- I want to kind of get the point out without i think there's something joyful about autonomy that we can provide in art in the art of games it's something about that autonomy i think is spectacularly interesting we have barely scraped the surface of the possibility of autonomy especially when you add into things like you know the the kind of narrative choices that we can do If you look at some of the narrative stories out there how many games are allowing you to to sort of go through a story and apply different perspectives simply because you happen to come through that story in a slightly different way instead of hearing the story through the protagonist we now hear the story through the antagonist we hear the story through some other person but we get to understand what's going on i mean there are some examples that but i think too few um but then maybe this is my obsession with games my obsession with games is personal and and um but isn't that kind of the point as well because you'll have something yeah. that if you apply the little difference
1: to the way that we do we take autonomy we have a sense of purpose yeah what could true. we do with that I, I totally agree i think coming off of that it, it's important for students again it's it's important for them to make something they Enjoy, and it's important that if you're going to make something, the number one fan of that thing that you make should be you. But if you're going to make a game, it should be that you that is at the. I don't know whether people still do it now, but it should be you at the front of the queue, waiting till midnight for your game to be released. Like it's important for you to love your work as much as you hope other people will as well. Um, I know a lot of people
0: aren't a fan of this phrase, but I do kind of like it. And it was on the wall at Unity: like eat your own dog food. <laughs> And and that, I honestly, really <laughs> it's really, it, it does sum it up. I mean, you know, if you don't love the things that you're making, how can you then
1: expect other people to love it? Absolutely. It's so but, important that you, you put that heart into yeah. what you're making and so that other people can enjoy it just as much as you.
0: But I think it's also important to remember you're not the target audience.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a
0: difference between the love of a game maker, I think, than the, uh, the love of making games. As opposed to the love of playing games, I think they're two separate things. And I happen to have both. Yeah. I know some people get fed up of, of playing games when they're game makers, and some people get fed up of game making when they want to play. I, I, I but I love both. I, yeah. I, I, I feel I feel lucky that I have never lost that love of it. But I think this idea that um, you know we we need to sort of absolutely embrace and love the thing that we're making is so important to. Uh, being able to be the ambassador, that kind of vision, but if we don't listen to somebody who's not us, who is the target audience, who will play, we're in echo chamber, and we know that
1: goes bad for us. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Totally, totally agree with you. Um, yeah,
0: but I mean, what
1: I think what we're talking about here is learning
0: not just to make games, but learning to play with making games.
1: Yes, experimentation. Yeah. Yes, I, I I agree with you. I think one big thing. So I will just kind of I'll kind of cut you off there, but um, no. we, what what we what I love about education, certainly um, certainly my my job is people build games on a PC. Yeah, that's great. But what if you were to have lots of different platforms that you have the possibility of building too? What, yeah. I'm, what I'm trying to build at the moment is almost a bit like a um, like a games buffet, shall we call it, yeah. where a student can come in and they go, do you know what, I, I love Nintendo Switch, or I love uh, playing on my phone. And I'll go, great, okay, you come in, come and choose the platform, come and learn what specific field or what skills are needed for that particular platform. Now, well, my second years have just started up their final project of the year, and they've never explored this before but they're going to have a go at virtual reality. I mean, that is brilliant. I think it's fantastic. They've they've explored a bit of Xbox, explored PC, but now they're experimenting with a completely new platform and a completely new skill set, which is brilliant. This is what young people should have, and it's it's having the option of looking at different things. When we get older, we don't have the space. I don't mean that, I'm not saying we
0: can't have, but in general... When you get commitments and and uh, expectations, you've got stakeholders yes. making a shift like that can be a challenge. And you know, if you even if you do make the shift, you've still got a higher level of expectation on you, and I think that inhibits your experimentation. Um, because I'm gonna, if I were to suddenly go off and do VR games, which I'm not by the way, yeah, <laughs> um, I, I, I love the VR experience, but I don't think there's commercial enough. Value that. Oh, wait, I've just explained why I have a problem with it because I don't see enough commercial potential for me yeah. to be able to make a difference in that space. Whereas, if I look at someone like Bobby at XR Games or Patrick and his team at End Dreams, you know, Sam um, and Make Real, you know, there are some amazing people doing amazing things with uh, the VR out there. And they're, you know, Tommy Palm, you know, the amazing stuff that they're doing. But I don't think it's ever going to be as accessible as this thing.
1: No, I totally agree with you. I think, but yeah, then
0: these are going to become a vehicle for experiences. At some point, the yes. question is how quickly does your
1: XR become normal? I agree. I think certainly with games, because it's only been recently we've just had um, PlayStation VR two come out. Yeah, and I mean, it's been a large jump from quite a significant jump actually from the first version that came out in 2018 now or 2017. But again, with virtual reality, I think we're just scratching the surface. You're getting all these different models coming out. There we are miles away. I still
0: remember being at GDC, GTC. Sorry, must have been 9 or something like that. Maybe, maybe a bit later than that. And they had a a, a kind of a, a viewer control if a viewer thick helmet thing it was like a bicycle helmet with a viewer and they literally strapped a move controller vertically and a move controller horizontally and got you to explore a space it was the first time I ever had a proper like decent uh experience and it was awful because they <laughs> had no, no, the movement and it was, um, so on and so forth the resolution wasn't bad but it was the physical hell uh heaviness of it but you could see the possibilities yeah of
1: we are touch, just scratching the surface of the potential here with virtual reality. And yeah. even now with like AR and I think what was Microsoft HoloLens as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure how, but what's going the on there. But the point is that, you
0: know I, I am the first generation of internet native, I would argue, because I had a dial-up modem when I was like 14, 15. Um Back in like 19, you know, how would it be? 1984, I think is, well, I know I've got the, Prestel Directory 1984 Volume 1 Edition 1 so that Prestel for anyone who doesn't know what the earth uh, dial-up modem is you used to plug a phone into a physical you know a home phone <laughs> You plug the handset into these rubber suckers to connect to the internet by dialing numbers on the phone that's insane I know but that wasn't the way the internet worked the hyperlink was invented by British Telecom 10 years later, well, a bit more than that, 1998, We were discussing if we should charge for using the hyperlink. Imagine that if we'd have oh. if we if Bt had done that. I was in the I happened to be in the room when they were discussing that. It was an amazing kind of thing. Oh, wow. the, point, the point is um that we've seen this transition from those really dodgy early days to where. We literally wouldn't know where we were if the internet wasn't available. I mean, yes, we have a few black spots, but in general, we're pretty much internet everywhere. Yeah. We get annoyed when it's slow. We forget there's a miracle that it exists. P- particularly when I'm streaming a 4K TV show live. You know, think yes. about that. I'm in the middle of nowhere, I'm watching a 4K TV show live. That's astounding. and um, where we are with you know the, the the kids that are joining your courses, they're going to be the ones who're going to look at what the equivalent of that is in twenty years' time.
1: Yeah, 30, thirty
0: years' time.
1: It's quite scary that we've we've got the power of a computer and essentially a TV in our pocket. It's just kind of, just it's kind of saying you can K programming. Is so
0: this is more than a you know the the Cray. Oh yeah, I think it's more than a Cray computer when I was growing up, which was a yeah. supercomputer, allegedly. Um, I mean, if you think about, you know, the, the amount of computing power they took to get to the moon, we dwarfed that mm. on
1: mobile phones in 2003. And I think, you know what? Mobile games, mm. I think, is where everything started to take that shift. Mm. Uh, and of, of being part of that generation of um, of having like the, the release of the iPhone and then mobile games uh and being at school at that point where all of these that's starts- old school i've uh,
0: we, 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 predate that, that that's okay, that yeah. that comparatively because java games so i used to run uh mobile operator threes game platform back in 2003 2006 java games existed before the iphone yes um now they didn't make any money <laughs> That's not fair they, do, they made some but the, the point is that a lot of the skill set we see it is just re, there is a there's a chain of thought here don't worry I'm coming back to the chain of thought. We're talking about the type of kids who are doing the kind of games courses that we're seeing now I'm being very patched on calling them kids but hopefully you know what I mean. hey fellow kids um <laughs> the, the point I'm trying to make is you know when I met people like Il and Christian anxiety all these kind of like like uber uber you know stars of the modern age. They were selling me games uh, on Java devices back in like two thousand three four. Robbios. we launched the first uh, ever kind of Robio named game, which was the Darkest Fear in two thousand four, I think. Um. So you think about these giants now? Were just people making games because they love making games. Yeah. They left a lot of them like Nef Nokia or or at some point somebody will do a legacy of the impact that nokia had on why finland is the most you know dominant space for mobile gaming in the world Mm -hmm. in my opinion um but the the point i'm trying to get to is that these individuals just were trying it out here was a new space here was a new way of doing things and i think what what you hopefully i think you know what you'll see coming out of the students you're working with is you provide them with the space where they can see what the next thing is going to be. And the, your kids, you just described doing VR. It may not be the VR. It's not, it's not the mobile Java that yeah. succeeded. It's the mobile device experience that succeeded. It, maybe it's not the VR that they're doing now, but learning about spatial computing, which is what VR will teach them, Will put them in a position where they're ready to be the, in the, the right space at the right time when spatial computing becomes mass market. Yeah.
1: It's it's crazy, though, that this, this is an industry that is changing yearly. And I mean, it's crazy how many
0: months. <laughs> it's joking,
1: joking, but every
0: three months, I, I would argue, I, I think there's a significant change to the market every three months.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's mad how quickly things are evolving and it, it is trying to find a way of, of creating an experience of being able to directly feed in and keeping them up to date with everything and yeah. it, it can be a challenge i'll be honest with you to try to keep up with all the new software and all the tech and new equipment and it's 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 never going to stop and that's because we as a human race we become so dependent on um on technology and and then finding that technology and turning it into a, a, a medium of entertainment as well obviously with like uh, streaming and being able to play games or even netflix have become a video games company now as well yep. and it's like where where is this going how is it going to end like
0: i think we can step back a little bit from that and i, I maybe it's because i have the you know a significant age uh, problem um <laughs> i don't feel old i just look old um The the point is that I've seen that the more things change, the more they stay the same. The syntax changes, the specific device changes, but who is at the end of the device? It's a person. Yeah. And what do we love? We love puzzles and stories. And I think this is what games has as sort of a opportunity. How we deliver an experience. It's all about that start condition, that challenge, that resolution, the reward. If we can teach people to understand what makes that work then you actually can find it's not just entertaining them that's going to work it's also the f- impact it has culturally on the way we look at other experiences mm-hmm. i think it's an amazing kind of opportunity if we look at the psychology rather than the hard way that we happen to be using today
1: yeah it's as again it's it's we're just we're scratching the surface on something that's it, it's scary in some ways but also incredibly exciting It's and this, this, the was it we we earn a few the games industry generate a fair few billion quid more than the music, five
0: eighty eight billion. Yeah, and that was a decline on the previous year because a normalization from the pandemic. That's according to New Zoo. I may have got the number wrong, apologies if I have. Go check up news. Who never believe me when I talk numbers. I'm only (laughs) vaguely remembering these things. Um, But the point is that 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 was a decline in mobile, particularly, but also an increase in PC. Yes. What's interesting about that is that they didn't differentiate between download PC games, as in like games and services, versus um, packaged good PC. And I suspect there's been more of a growth in service games on PC than we realize. Uh, yeah. I'm be, be wrong.
1: Yeah. I think one big thing, I, w- I wasn't going to mention it, but you know, we, we can't really ignore the last two, three years with the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, and obviously the, the... Well, that's why yeah. there's been a normalization because yeah,
0: we were... I'm uh, oh, sorry. If you work in the games industry, you... Probably know that you didn't stop working unless you were in a studio that wasn't scaled to work remotely. Yep. And I, I feel real, really sad for those people who were let go or went through struggles, whether they're in games industry or not. But particularly those games industry, because I think it's a failure of management. Games is a natural, generally. I'm being a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, take me. A, my my heart is good. Trust me. Yeah. Um, i may say things which are intentionally provocative but they're for entertainment purposes um but my point is that those of us who could work remotely games is a natural space for that remote working i would argue the fact is that most people who were affected um poorly by uh the the pandemic i feel like games was a natural outlet and that connectivity the zoom meeting became a norm which is a symptom that the technology that we were using in games that other people were using as who are on the kind of technology front became mass market. Yeah. It's, it will not be reversed, but it means that I will now go out and talk to somebody in person rather than using zoom as quite as often, but I'll still use zoom when I need to.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think, Obviously, we all. I'm going to come from an educator, education perspective in just a moment, but yeah. lockdown happened. I mean, young yeah. people, very, very young people oh, are then suddenly locked in and, yeah. and we are, we're starting to see the knock-on effects now in, in, in schools and colleges at the moment. But everyone's locked in and what do you do for three months? There's no school. Sometimes there's no school running online. You've got Easter holidays coming up. There's nothing going. You're not even allowed to go see your mates. You can't leave your house. So everyone yeah. then suddenly... Turns to their computer. They're playing video games, or if they're of the age and uh, they've got a, a bit of a, like a good understanding or a good level of knowledge when it comes to games, they start becoming developers. They've yeah. got the facilities at home, all they need is a computer, internet Absolutely. connection, and off they go. Suddenly, you're we're birthing uh, games developers straight out of the pandemic. That's fantastic. But I'll be honest with you, from my professional perspective, going into lockdown in March 2020, and that. Yeah. And, and being through two lockdowns my, that was the the most stressful and hardest experience i've ever had within my career really to, yeah try, honestly it was obviously I, I was with my family they that they, so, some of my family were furloughed right but where they were then having that time to be able to work on maybe things at home, uh, myself and my sister, we we had to keep going. We There yeah. was no stop. The only time we got were the weekends and the, the Easter holidays. And then being able to, to sit there at home to then try and guide people through their games and and support them was such a, a monumentous um, mm. task. And in comparison to being in a classroom where you've got that divide between being an educator and then being your own person, the whole... Two worlds collided,
0: yeah, and it was
1: it. so so um, difficult. So it's it's great that we've that some young people have got that almost that little independence that, and that confidence to go. Do you know what? I am going to sit at my computer. I am going to have a go at watching a couple of tutorials in I don't know Unity and Unreal, and I'm going to have a go at doing something. But but not everyone has that confidence, do they? No, and that there are a lot of people who, certainly like myself, I get distracted working from home. And I need to be within a classroom setting. I need to be surrounded by people. And especially when um, I think one game that was hit quite badly by the pandemic, I think one it was uh, Square Enix. They were working yeah. on Marvel's Avengers at the time. And I remember seeing the okay. documentary when it came out. Um, and they were hit by the pandemic. Everything went into lockdown. Everyone started working from home. And I think they actually had their launch from home and you could see everybody in the zoom call all the developers the concept artists everyone part of the team in this massive zoom call and they launched their game from home and i'm like and as you said we're now relying on teams and zoom and i, I don't know whether skype is still a thing to be honest with you but everything it's still a thing yeah i, it so it used to, I, I didn't know yeah. if teams kind of kind of uh, took it away
0: uh, but... skype still exists interesting i, I yeah. i'm not a big teams fan i think I find it a bit cumbersome but yeah
1: but then we've it's it's that divide that we used to have. Everything has suddenly collided, and we can text people from work through Teams yeah. or whatever thread or Zoom, etc. When we're on the go, and it, it can be a struggle to sometimes find the divide. I feel like I'm straying a little bit from the education side. No, uh, but I mean, I, I want
0: to come back to that because I think um, so. I think what we're saying here, yes, I, I think you you've hit the point. We had a very mixed experience. Some people who were already geared up yeah. to work remotely, I think ended up having to do more work. And I think, yeah. uh, or end up, I, I know for my case, I ended up finding more work. Um We were setting up a game publisher at the time. So nothing stopped. Like you said, nothing stopped. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of people I know, personal friends of mine, things stopped and being furloughed is, was no joke for them. Uh, yeah, I
1: just want to throw it out there. Obviously, I know some people that were being furloughed during during the pandemic it was, it was still awful for them because obviously some of them really relied on their work and sometimes mentally being within that um, that routine and that schedule and that people relying on oh, that. So schedule, suddenly, boom! It's all been taken away, and it yeah. was a real scary experience. But
0: where I was going to take it is that I appreciate all that all that context. We've got a, a lot of kids, and and I, I'm I know some individuals have social anxiety, particularly around I think I think quite an increased level of social anxiety post-pandemic but I know some people who who have struggled with doing the video calls. Um, and I think that there's, I mean, have you seen a need to accommodate people, particularly around the mental health aspects who want to join the course Has as that, as the level of mental health, um, needs of students increased
1: post pandemic.
0: And is that affecting the way you design the course?
1: The, the sure answer is yes, it's, mm-hmm. it's been it's been quite significant. And I think sometimes oh, I'm to try and decide how deep I get with this. Obviously, <laughs> we, we certainly through the pandemic as an educator, we were there to then support the students, safeguarding yes. obviously still still having to do their job. They're still trying to support the students, et cetera. But then um, the impact was then starting to take its toll on the teachers. I yes. find and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping there are other teachers out there that listen to this can empathize, but it was a very, very difficult task. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in in today's uh, in today and obviously having meetings of people, if I've got a one to one with a student, I've got a corner from home, their camera won't be on either because they've got a really messy room, um, but or they just they've, they've got the anxiety of not wanting to talk through a camera. Maybe they prefer face to face. But it's it's that human interaction that we we lose, and it's so so important that we we can shake somebody's hand, and we, we can give somebody a hug, and uh, and be able to congratulate them, or say hello properly. Um, and it's the same with games, and trying to design it so we we have no, we use Microsoft Teams for um, for like assignments and and yeah. message to students to see if they've if they're all right. The only benefit I I find coming out of. Um, the pandemic and using platforms such as teams, is communication. But if a student is going to be late because the bus, they can just drop me a text. Cool, got that. I can, I'm aware. Um, and then that's great. So there's less of a reason for me to go, oh, why are you late? Because they've gone, Well, I'll text you already. And I'm like, that's perfect. And it's we've, we've built up that communication. And I think it's it's almost almost like a benefit for some some young people as well, that they, they're learning how to be able to communicate properly, or, or on another level with their with their teachers so it's really important especially coming out of the pandemic now that we're having our contacts built up from the industry again to, rather than having them through video calls um, and then doing a workshop that way that they're actually in they're engaging they're sat with the learners and they're they're actually getting a hands-on experience and a proper conversation with them so it, it is important that we're trying to almost not squash out effects of the of covid completely but kind of almost rebuild bring back to what we were before but also use those knock-on effects to to our advantage such as communication um and the way we're kind of organizing our assignments etc so
0: no i think that sounds right i mean i think what it sounds to me like is actually there were a bunch of things that probably may have needed to be dealt with but they weren't surfaced like yeah health of your students maybe didn't get the attention potentially that it could have done the fact that the pandemic in some twisted kind of way has put us in a situation where we have to pay more attention we have to provide those communication pathways and my hope is that those communication pathways lead to uh team people who individuals who are better able to communicate or feel more comfortable communicating when they do step into those commercial roles,
1: you know, it's so, it's so, uh, you, you've hit the nail on the head actually, because now, as we've got, obviously, I've got to have teams open up all my lessons, and I have got a few students that might suffer with social anxiety, and they might not feel comfortable to walk around the front of the classroom, in front of everyone while they're working, to then start to talk to about how they feel. They can just drop me a text. They can text yeah. from the other end of the room and they can say, hi, Michael, can I just talk to you at the end of the lesson? And I go, yeah, absolutely fine. Just stay where you are. Once everyone's packed up, come and join me. We can talk. And it's it's, it's liberating. Yeah, that they can go. I, I feel comfortable to message, to let you yeah. know, rather than them just walking out the classroom at the end of the day and us never knowing. So... Well they're not yeah. have to embarrass themselves in the process.
0: Absolutely, yeah. It's not know, a place, uh, yeah. I mean, how horrifying
1: was that when you were when I was younger, that wouldn't be doable at all. Yeah, uh, and it's, I, yeah, yeah, it's it's almost avoiding like <laughs> that person needs to talk to the teacher. Like, no, it's it's a subtlety to it that we can support those that might be struggling. Um, do you know I was I was at a school this morning doing a um doing a workshop. I looked around the room and I was like, these, these are year nine students. And I thought, I tried to do the maths in my head and I thought, hold on. They had just finished primary school or they just started year seven. These are the kids that went into lockdown at the very start of secondary school.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'm like, I'd love to have seen them come back into like the start of year eight or mid halfway three, year seven. I'd love to have seen how they communicated with people because it might have been they'd never even met half the year group until they set foot back in the classroom, maybe a year later. I'd love Absolutely. to have... I know that sounds really weird to have said but I'd love I know to it's an anthropological
0: that. kind of like question isn't it you know yeah, how it's are almost we delayed
1: communication being? like um, uh, development in some ways yeah um, yeah it's, it's 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 really really bizarre but
0: and I think that, that kind of is not the point really at the end of the day which is we're 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 learning all the way through yeah. we're learning about how to teach people we're learning how to communicate with people and hopefully uh, to wrap the podcast up, um, yeah. <laughs> thank you for listening to, you, for listening to this. Hopefully we've given you kind of a, 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 an interesting journey on you know, what it's like coming from the perspective of somebody who's trying to help the next generation of people who want to learn about how to make games in that intermediate step, post-school, pre-university, how they're going to take that step forward. And Michael, thank you very much. Is
1: there anything you want to leave people with before we close off? Yeah. Um... Yeah, obviously, again, I'm going to throw some cheese out there. Why not? I think sure. if, if you've got an idea, do you know what? Just, just run with it. I think there's so much pressure, as I've said, on young people to come up with the next big thing and to come up with an idea. Do you know what? If you've got something, just make it. I think just the most important thing that you to do while doing that is just have fun. Because if you're not having fun, no one else is. And it's so important. Go, you just enjoy I'd, what you do.
0: Yeah, I'd go further. I, I back that I, up. I,
1: we need to learn to play again
0: yeah and making games should
1: be playful yeah absolutely. So let's be playful. education should be fun and it should be an experience for all those and it's yeah you've hit it perfectly so yeah have fun enjoy play games make games
0: and uh, on that note thank you mike so much uh, you can be contacted i think on um the michael k1 yes Is that correct absolutely. yes on, on the twitters and stuff like that um uh, I'm Athanasius, and obviously thank you very much for participating with this. And uh, if you want to know more about Game Dev London, then you can check out all of the details, join the Discord, chat more. If you've enjoyed this conversation, if you want to hear more like it, go check out the Game Dev London podcast. Do the usual like, subscribe, and share with other people. Tell them what's going on. If you have a particular topic that you think would be really interesting for us to explore, again, please feel free to let us know that's what this is all about so michael thank you so much thank you so uh, much. i have been your host this has been your game dev london podcast and uh, thank you very much for listening